welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming in Casey Jones, who is a growth coach and consultant to hundreds of entrepreneurs and startups. And she teaches them how to unlock their inner wisdom, build unshakable confidence, and create sustainable, scalable growth. She can be found online on Twitter at a better Jones or on LinkedIn by her name, Casey Jones. First name, Casey starts with a K, K-A-S-E-Y. And I hope you all enjoy this wide ranging conversation I have with her. So without further ado, please welcome in Casey Jones. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you today. Thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. I've been following your journey on Twitter or X or whatever they're going to call it going forward. Um, and I, I really enjoy what you're doing. I enjoy the the journey you're sharing. I enjoy you know, how you're kind of sharing, how you're growing your business out openly. It's really important, I think, especially with this whole just get started mission I've had for a lot of years is sharing these stories of people that may not be, you know, they're not Elon Musk. They're not out there, you know, uh, widely around the world, but you have a very compelling story to share. So I, I want to bring you on and yes. chat through that a little bit. Um, there's a lot of areas we're going to go today. I'm excited. I wanted to start though. Can we start in February of 2020? Does that, does that month ring a bell? You're smiling a little bit yeah, when I say that. It does. It does ring a bell. Yeah, it was can, a big, that was a big aha in my journey. Yeah. And I thought that might be a good place to start because yeah. as we go through our, our journeys, whether we're just starting or maybe we're in a point to change, we have to kind of, sometimes we have these aha, these epiphanies that happen. So can you share a little bit about February, 2020 to kick us off? Totally. And I'll be clear, like most of my ahas, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm like a particularly stubborn human being, but my ahas are usually really hard won lessons. And I learn things very much the hard way. And that's a big part of why I share my story online yeah. is I hope that by doing that, I can maybe make people feel a little less alone when they're going through something like that or help people avoid some of the mistakes that that I made in my journey and mm -hmm. and February 2020 was a really big one for me because at the time I was running an agency um I had started my business I started my business in like fall of 2017 and it started as kind of doing marketing strategy for early stage startups and really quickly I kept getting advice from people that if I really wanted to grow and I really wanted to scale my business, I should um, start an agency. And at the same time, I was getting clients saying, hey, you know, the strategy you're you're helping us work through is amazing, but can you help us with execution? And I thought, yeah, of course, you know, I'll I'll, I'll build this agency and we'll grow that way. February 2020 was, was the big aha because all of a sudden I developed severe vertigo. And I mean, imagine the worst like drunk spins you've ever had in your life, but while stone cold sober and 24 hours a day. I mean, I have this, this really vivid memory of lying in my bed, looking at the, the light above my bed and the light would move to the right and then come back to that spot, move to the, like, I couldn't even focus on things. And the, the vertigo was so bad and it wasn't, 
I don't know, there's different kinds of vertigo. It wasn't just that, that I was like sort of, you know, nauseous and woozy. It was like, I, my eyes literally couldn't focus on things. So PS, I couldn't really focus on a, on a computer screen. Yeah. And that's, you know, 90% of what I did. And, um, it was so bad that they tested me for, um, a brain tumor. They thought that that was what it was going to be. Turns out it was just a viral ear infection and there's no treatment for a viral ear infection, just rest, which at the time I was like, I don't have time for this. Right. And I, um, after, I don't know, maybe like a week, I went and saw a naturopath who I'd been seeing for a while. Um, cause I also have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune, um, thyroid disease. And I was talking to her and she says, she's like, Casey, why now? I was like, what are you talking about? Why now? It's an ear infection. Like, I don't, I don't know. And she goes, no, 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 no. This is, this is stress. What's going on? Why now? And without thinking, I burst into tears and said, exclaim, exclaimed out loud, I hate my job without thinking at all. And all of a sudden it sort of dawned on me. It was like, oh no, one, this is burnout. And two, this is because I have built a business doing something that I, I don't like. And I'm frankly, I'm not very good at, right? I got into my business. What motivated me was working with founders and kind of early stage teams on big strategic initiatives and things that really drove revenue. But to be successful in an agency, you want clients for as long as possible. And that means you're not going to be doing strategy most of the time. You're going to be doing kind of menial execution of stuff. And that was the stuff that I hated yeah. about marketing. And it also meant that I was working less and less often with the founders and more and more with um, their teams. And I, I mean, I genuinely, I kind of hated every single part of it. And so I remember sitting in my bed that night after I'd had that conversation with my naturopath and I was so, I mean, I felt like I had had the wind just knocked out of me. And I remember sitting up in bed and I had my journal on my lap and I remember asking myself, okay, like I, I hate this. I'm not happy. What if I, what if I just did something else? And I remember just asking that question. I felt this immediate wave of relief because my first instinct was like, well, I have no option. This is what I'm doing. Right. And just asking the question of like, okay, what would I do if I didn't do this? And that was the start of completely changing my business. I wound up, you know, um, uh, laying off my whole team. Although, you know, COVID literally happened a, week, a month later. So I probably should have used that as an excuse, but I, I felt a sense of loyalty to them. So we kept kind of plugging along for a while. It took a while for me to really commit to tr trying to do something really different. But it's it's been over those these last few years that I've completely reshaped my business into something that serves me and makes me happy and is much more sort of purpose-driven and aligned with what I'm good at, what I, what I enjoy and the kind of difference I want to make in the world. Um, and it sucked learning it that way, but I'm really, really grateful that I learned it. How do you, so like, and if you're working with founders or entrepreneurs, because I think this is one of the struggles and I guess there's two points here, kind of take which one you want to start with, but 
is the identity. So that they've been working at a corporation for a lot of years, like that's what they're known for. That's their identity. And they feel they have to, you know, kind of, well, that's all I can do. And the second, yeah. and the second thing is, and I see this a lot of folks kind of in your position, right? Is they start something because they do have that skill set. They're like, well, this is the easiest thing to get me out of corporate America. Let me just start yeah. whatever. And then they, unfortunately, they're not happy with it. So take it from whatever angle we can go into both of those, but how do you kind of work with your clients or folks that you talk with around both of those things? Those are really good questions. And I do think, look, I think it takes, it takes, it takes some time and it takes some courage to be able to say, Hey, yeah, I can make money at this thing, but that's not what I feel is sort of my, my soul's purpose and what I really enjoy. So one of the things that I think is, is that I say often is just because it's a smart business choice doesn't mean it's the right one for you. So you really do have to pay attention to, okay, you know, what is the work that I do that it almost feels a little bit like criminal that it feels so freaking easy right? It's the stuff where you just, it lights you up, you enjoy it, you love doing it rather than the stuff that someone is like, no, this is the smart move. You can make money doing that, doing this. And what I think is really interesting is in every, in all my experience working with entrepreneurs, dude, you can make an, you can build an incredibly successful business doing literally anything. Like that is one of the things that I loved about when I started my career, I started in B2B sales it would always fascinate me talking to a new company and you'd realize that there's a, there's a gazillion ways to make a buck and not just a buck, but like a lot of them. And you can, you can build something that feels right for you. You just have to have the the courage to do it and sort of the grit to figure out how to do it. And so what I really encourage people is, is to figure out like, okay, if you are in that corporate job and you're thinking about you know, leaving and you're thinking about this sort of this, this next phase, think about in your work, what is the, what are those moments, those projects, those experiences that you've had that, you know, deliver real value, but that are just plain old fun. It's this stuff where you're like, oh my God, if I could do this all day, I would pay someone else because I guarantee there's a business there. You might have to get creative in figuring out how to make it and how to kind of put it together, but you can lean into the things that are sort of your unique skill set, your unique way of delivering value or kind of energy to people and um, and making money doing it. And, and one of the things that I think is interesting for me is, you know, like I said, Dude, I've made I've made literally every mistake that a person could possibly make in life. I mean, truly. And I've learned it all the hard way. And I've spent an inordinate amount of time trying to learn from those lessons and a lot of reflection. And now I do kind of growth strategy coaching for entrepreneurs. And what makes me really good at, at being a coach is the fact that I've screwed up so many times and I've learned so many yeah. lessons as a result. Yeah. And so it makes me particularly good at noticing when someone is not on the right path for them or helping 
talk them through, like, how do they navigate some of these really tough challenges in their business, but also in their lives. And so that, you know, that's not going to be right for everybody, but it is really particular to me and to who I am and my journey in life. And now I can turn, you know, kind of terrible experiences that I've gone through into really helpful, valuable insights and resources for the people that I serve. Well, and you get bring up a good point too. I want to underscore, and it goes back kind of to the identity piece is like, as we mentioned earlier, it's not just about, you know, what do you do well today? Let's just keep doing that. Like what, cause I, I find this like, and this is probably, you probably see this with your friends as well. Like I see this too, is like, they love something, you know, they love gardening, but they don't want to tell anyone they love gardening because it's going to shake their identity up and that people are going to look at them weird and, and different. And, but that might be the thing that they really should be, but they might not start a business at it right away, but it's something they may spend more time or they should spend more time in, you know? What, I, a, good, what a good way to bring this up. I think you're spot on, right? It's the identity thing I think is, is really interesting. It's, um, and I've seen people make terrible decisions because of that. And also I don't know, just downright fascinating ones. I have a client who um, I've been working, he and his wife are business partners and I've been working with them for a few years now. And when we first started working together, they talked about how there's lots of acquisitions happening in their industry and they have a number in their head that if they get offered that number, they're going to sell. Mm -hmm. And within, I don't know, seven, eight months of us working together, they got they got the number. And they're telling me that they got the number and we're on the call and I just started laughing. My client is like, Casey, why are you, why are you smirking at this? And I was like, because I can tell you're not going to take the number. And I was like, because it's not about the number. I was like, you're not ready. Like your identity is being the founder and CEO of this very successful business. And you haven't figured out what comes next yet. So you're not ready to take that number and like leap into whatever that next chapter is. And I was like, what the work we need to do is figure out what is the next chapter. So when you get the the now new number, because you will, that you'll actually be ready to take it. And they were like, oh my God, you're right. And they were like, yeah, we we totally could take it. It would be life-changing. Our three girls would be set up. Our lives would be set up but we're not ready because we haven't decided on what comes next. And so there's something about the identity and also that the like aspirational identity, we got to know where we, where we want to go so that when we have the opportunity to get there, we can seize it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, this kind of kind of dovetails into something else I want to talk about, but you, you had tweeted something out like the average age of a successful entrepreneur starts at about 42, not And 18. by the way, I'm out of date. Someone asked me where I found that. Yeah. And it's a it's a Harvard um, business review yeah. s- statistic. And so I went and looked it up and they've updated it's 45. Okay. So there you go. Even better. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, and but but going back to what we're talking about, and this yeah. is where I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on is because you do get folks that say, All right, Casey, all right, Brian, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Now we okay, we've given some ideas, but like do you, do you encourage folks that let, let's assume most people are working corporate America jobs? Yeah. Do you assume or uh, encourage them to uh, just start something on the side, like just as a hobby, not even think about it like a business 
and even see if they like it first or 100 percent. okay 100 don't go all in into into something that you haven't kind of tested validated it's interesting really good friend of mine matt doan he he specifically works with people that are super successful in corporate america and want to leave they're miserable right and the big thing that he and i had a this is like very good timing he and i had a call this morning and we were just kind of talking and he was like oh he said when we work together he said there's kind of a three-step process and he was like the first two steps are just getting your mind right and and really identifying that aspirational identity and stepping into that before you ever tr start trying to do the business because if you haven't gotten in the right headspace of where you want to go and and who you need to become mm -hmm. in order to get there it'll be you'll grasp at things that don't ultimately serve you and the other thing that's interesting because i've had this conversation a lot and this is my story um i know a lot of people that were sort of thrust into entrepreneurship i i became an entrepreneur because the startup i was working for ran out of money as they are likely to do and so I didn't have a plan. Yeah. I just jumped right in and and it and and I had a lot of really good early success. But that meant that I was a ship without a rudder. Hmm. It meant that yeah, I had I and you know, I had that wind at my back. Um but I didn't, I didn't know how to direct it and I didn't know where I was going and I think that's why it was so easy for me to be like, "Oh, Everyone's telling me I should start an agency. Okay, I'll I'll do that. Yeah. And so if you're in if you're in kind of corporate America and you're thinking about this next phase, taking the time to get clear on I don't know, what would a perfect day look like for you 3 years down the line when you're your own boss and you have your own business? What are the kinds of things that you want to be doing? The the kinds of people you want to be talking to? the ways that you want to show up in the world and then starting to work your way back, kind of reverse engineer that. And there's a great exercise. Um, I first heard about this in an interview between um, Debbie Millman and um, Tim Ferriss. And she calls it, I think she calls it like her 10 year, 10 year plan or something like okay. that, where you write a short story. And I, I, by the way, I have, Every client do this in my cohort, kind of teaching people personal brands stuff. This is like the first thing I tell people to do. You write a short story that's a day in your life in 10 years and you get super detailed. Like it starts the moment you wake up in the morning. How do you wake up? What kind of bed are you in? What sheets are on that bed? Who's lying next to you? Like, what do you do throughout the day? Who do you hang out with? What clothes do you wear? What food do you eat? Like get super freaking detailed. And you also want to think about like, how do I show up in the world? Like, how do I interact with people? If you've got kids, like, what kind of a parent am I? What kind of a relationship do I have with them? Like, and get really, really clear on those things. And then you start to kind of reverse engineer, okay, what does future me do that I don't do? All right. What does future me stop doing that I still do? And how do I start putting these things into place? But I, I, I really agree with you. Like, Identity really does need to come first. Otherwise, it's way too freaking easy to wind up full speed ahead in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, even on the 10, the 10 year 
story, which I really like that. Um, oh, it's such a cool exercise to do. It's really fun. Is and and this the one word I was thinking about as you said that is prioritization, because that can yeah some because I find this and I've probably got you know I probably did this early on as well, but I find that most people when you know it's kind of like I use the marathon as an example. People don't want to run the marathon; they want to finish the marathon, right? Like, so the, everyone's always thinking about standing on the podium versus yeah. all the work that has to happen. And that's the always, always the encouragement I give. I was like, well, you want to do X. Can you dedicate one hour this week to do it? Because yeah. if you can't even dedicate an hour, how are you going to do that for a full-time gig? And Absolutely. I think that's where the prioritization comes in. Would you agree? Yeah. And to your earlier point, the intrinsic interest, like, right. dude, you can, you can start a million different kinds of businesses. But if you don't have like a genuine curiosity about that thing, it's going to be a real freaking slog and it's going to start to eat away at you. And, and to go back to what we were talking about before, after I had crazy intense burnout, I wound up having a ton of conversations with people about burnout. And what I've learned is that burnout does not come from working too hard. When you're doing something you freaking love, working hard. Yeah. Okay. You need to rest and all the rest, but burnout doesn't come from that. Burnout comes from working too hard on the wrong thing from working too hard on things that drain you and suck the soul out of you. And the problem with, if you have a real long career in corporate America, you probably have gotten really good at doing stuff that you don't love. And that can be very enticing when you think about doing your own thing, but that's not why you go out on your own. You go out on your own for something better, something more, something more kind of holistically for you and the kind of life you want to lead. And if you don't take the time to figure out what that is, you're just going to find yourself in another day job. It's just one where you don't have the security and the safety that you do where someone else is paying your paycheck. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's, as you're saying that it, it kind of got me thinking, I remember thinking about this a while ago is even leaving the day job, you don't even have to leave the day job. But I think you had mentioned this earlier, like, let's say you're in sales as an example, but you yeah. really want to be in a marketing role or engineering. I think that goes back to the identity. It's like, well, I have the sales experience. I'm going to stay in that versus well, why don't I learn to code for two years? And yeah. then try to get an engineering job. I still might work. I don't work for my, myself. I work for a corporation, but now I'm doing something totally different. And I think it's Absolutely. a very small amount of people that will be willing to do that. Um, and and sometimes it means taking a small step back, but in order for you to take a big leap forward. And, you know, I started my career in B2B sales and I was in that for, I don't know, seven years, six, six or seven years and um, didn't love it but I didn't know anything different. I mean, I went to a really nerdy college. So when I got out of college, I had like no clue what a th what you could do for a living, let alone what I wanted to do. And I love my parents, but my parents treated me like a 40 year old when I was eight. So I got zero guidance from them. And so I was like, you know, I just had no clue. And it was when I was in, in sales, but um, I started to think, I don't, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And I, annoyed the hell out of my boss because I was constantly like, how do I do more of this and less of that? Yeah. And he found out that there was a new, and I was, I was at a, a sizable startup, but still a startup. And, um, they were looking for a field marketing 
manager and um, they came to me and it was really, they were talking with my boss and he was like, I think you need to talk to Casey. And I made the, I made the leap from sales to marketing and it was really scary at the time, completely changed my life, my trajectory. It was like a 10 times better fit for me. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I would have figured that out on my own, but the fact that I was constantly talking to someone, talking to a leader, a mentor about what I loved about my job, what I hated about it, that when, when this came up, he was like, like he connected the dots. And I remember too, years later, he and I were talking and I was like, I said something about how he's just an amazing boss. And he was like, I'm not really that great of a boss, Casey. And I was like, yeah, no, look at what you did for me. And he was like, but do, he was like, do you understand? He was like, I didn't do that for everybody. He was like, you were the only person that was constantly in my ear being like, I don't like this. I want more of this other thing. How do I do that? And he was like, you made it really easy to advocate for you. Um, and I didn't do that intentionally. I was just kind of a pain in the butt. So do you find that the the sales skills though helped you on the marketing front, like having the, that combination, right? Oh my God, it's huge. And it made me really insecure on the marketing side for a while because I had zero professional training. I figured it all out on my own. Um, but it's why I am as valuable as I am to startups and to small businesses and founders, because I understand the connection point between marketing and revenue, I think better than than most people that it, it really is my sweet spot. And um, particularly early on in my marketing career, I would employ sales development, like prospecting strategies in marketing campaigns that I do. And they worked like, a, I mean, it was like a gold mine and no one did that kind of stuff. I mean, way back when this is really dating me before things like automation on LinkedIn were common. I, I would do events for for some of my startup clients and we'd send automated messages on LinkedIn from the CEO's account inviting people to the events. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Like I had one where we had a list of 550 people. We got 217 people to register for the event. Like that's that's nuts. And it's really just because I was using my sales brain in a, a in a in a marketing campaign. And so it, it led to a lot of fun little intersections. And so truly, like, I think when you do make these switches, so let's say that person, that hypothetical you were talking about, someone who's in sales, who then winds up um, getting into, you know, being a, a coder or an engineer. Oh my goodness. They're going to understand like customer, like user experience and customer experience and how to drive revenue through the product better than someone who doesn't have that experience. And it can be this huge differentiator and value add. Can I go back to, you mentioned yeah. marketing and revenue yeah. and can I just pick your brain on that even further? Tell, totally. tell, me, tell me more I about like stuff. what you're seeing in the marketplace today of how that relates together? Like what maybe what entrepreneurs, people that are trying to grow a business, what they should be thinking about as it relates to kind of marketing, influencing revenue? So in general, I think people really need to think about a couple things. One, you need to think about customer experience starts with marketing. The first moment somebody sees your brand, hears about your company, whatever it is, that is the first time they're getting a feeling 
And I don't care what you do. I don't care what your company does. If you've got a tech company, you've got at least a few dozen. If you have a service-based uh, business, you probably have hundreds, more likely thousands of competitors who do basically the same thing that you do. Sorry, no one's really that unique. No business is really that unique. It's That's very rare. So that means that what is going to be your differentiator is the experience that you give people while you deliver those results. And so you need to really think about what, what, what kind of experience you want to deliver. I love the Maya Angelou quote where she says, no one's going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember what you did. They're going to remember how you made them feel. And so if you can really decide for yourself, like, how do I want to make my customers feel while I deliver these results? Everything becomes much clearer and it becomes much simpler. The other thing I will say, and I am very biased in this because this is a lot, this is not not everything that I work on with clients, but it's a big part. Um, personal brand is freaking everything. And if you are not putting intention into building your personal brand, um, you are you are leaving serious money on the table. And people look at social media and they're like, oh, it's it's so noisy. How am I ever going to break through the noise? Let's be clear. Both Twitter and LinkedIn, it, only 1% of users actually create content on an even semi-regular basis. Only 1%. Mm. So if you, if you actually just commit to creating content a few times a week, engaging with some other folks, you are instantly in the 1% of those platforms. You learn how to do it well you get a little bit more consistent. So it's not just a few times a week, but it's every day. You are suddenly in the 0.1%. And it is a phenomenal differentiator. And it's a really, really easy way to attract. Mm, I'm lying. It's not easy. It's not easy. I didn't say that. It's, not, it's yeah. a simple way. <laughs> it's a simple way to attract um, your customers, to attract mm, podcast opportunities to attract um, ideal job candidates um, and also to really build a network where this is the other thing. If you've been in corporate America your whole life and you changed to entrepreneurship, I promise you most of your friends will not understand what the hell you're doing. They will think you're kind of crazy and it will feel really lonely. So sooner rather than later, start to build your sort of inner circle of fellow entrepreneurs. And one of the easiest and most I know it's so nerdy that I'm even going to say this, but one of the most fun ways to do it is on social media. And if I recall, you kind of changed more toward a storytelling approach recently, and that's kind of what propelled you forward. Is that is that accurate? Oh, dude. I, when I first started creating content online, I think I told stories because I had no clue what I was doing. And I just did whatever I sort of felt like doing and it was fun and it really worked. And I had some really early success. And the longer I went on, I kept looking at what everybody else was doing and studying all the recommendations and all this. And everyone is like, Oh, you do these tactical, like how to posts. And I would try to do them and they would bomb. <laughs> it would just bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's very obvious just talking to me. It's not how I communicate, yeah. right? Like how I communicate is I tell stories. I am, Brevity is not my strong suit. And, you know, like I've said, my superpower is the fact that I've literally made every mistake under the sun and I've learned from them. And I use those, those lessons and those learnings to kind of help the people I work with. And so 
creating these like tactical how-to posts, like it's not authentic. And so I've started telling stories from my life, from the lives of, you know, the clients that I work with. It's so much more fun for me because it feels so much more real and it really works. And it's leading to, you know, tons of new business for me, lots of connection, lots of friendships, lots of opportunities. And, and truly like it feels easier and it feels more personally rewarding because it is truly coming from my heart, not me, I don't know, trying to game the algorithm or whatever the hell. Well, and I think, I mean, that's one of the reasons um, I was following you and reached out to have you on here because, because I'm kind of similar in that approach of like, I've been blogging for a lot of years. I, and, and, but I, I think I got to a point where I was like trying to like, oh, let me use this hook or whatever. And then I was like, that's not me. I was like, I just, I want to, I want to put podcast posts out there. I want to put my blog articles. I want to put, if something's random on my mind, that's obscure, I'm going to mention it. Because I'll mention yes. it to my friends, I might as well mention it online. So it's like having the, the I, I like how you put it, but like having the leap of faith of like, I'm just going to be myself, like how I would act with my friends, that's how I should talk online. 100%. And this is why, so I do um, like three times a year, I do these cohorts um, with a, a business partner, Erica Schneider, where we teach entrepreneurs kind of how to, how to grow online so that it grows their business. And we spent a lot of time talking about the fact that the whole concept of personal brand felt icky and we really hated that term. And so we call it personal platform where it's like, no, it's not about commoditizing you as a human. Yeah. You want to present content in a way that, that, that grabs the attention of your kind of dream customer, but you also want to do it in a really authentic way. And so, yeah, sometimes that means talking about this weird idea you have, or this, I don't know, cool experience you had, because it makes you more human. And it's interesting. It's like, I've been talking a lot more about kind of personal stuff and you wouldn't think it, but genuinely, like I did a post mm, two days ago about my relationship. Like we, we just got married two weeks ago and I did this long post about how, you know, we have an incredible relationship, but we were a hot freaking mess for years first. I mean, we are two fiery humans and we like our relationship matched that for sure. And I wrote about the fact that, you know, ultimately we got couples counseling and it taught us all of these things. And, I, and it was like very personal. I had two people really, really dream prospects book calls to talk because of that entrepreneurs who were like, I love your energy. I love your stories. Like this vibes with me. Let's talk about business. Even though that post had literally nothing to do with business. That's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. But again, you're going, you're just telling your story. It's not like you're yeah. trying to critique no. and you know, like, oh, let me just kind of curve around the corner here to get this algorithm <laughs> no. today. And... I mean, it was literally that like I got married two weeks ago and I, I want to talk about like nothing but my relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, and I've been thinking a lot about how we managed to get to where we are. And I know that I, I wish that a few years ago I had seen a story of like, you can have a really dramatic, fiery mess of a relationship 
and you two can build something incredible together. I promise it is possible. Here's how we did it. Right. Like that would have been amazing for me to see a few years ago. Yeah. Well, it goes back to even from a sales side, like people want to do business with who they like, trust and respect. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? It's yeah. like they want something that's authentic and hey, like you're actually living a life. You're not just like sitting at the computer screen for 24 hours, just, you know, trying to think up these things. Like you're actually living, yeah. you know, which is important. Yeah. And, and we connect, we connect through stories, right? And we might get value out of those tactical posts. We might learn something new, but I'll be honest, when I read one of those, I very rarely remember who wrote it. But when I see those stories, dude, I remember that. And and it becomes very easy to then go down the rabbit hole of like really learning about that person, becoming like genuine friends and building those relationships. And if you talk to anybody who who, you know, puts stuff online and 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 plays that game and you ask them what is the most kind of life-changing part about it, even the ones who've made a ton of money doing it, they'll be like, "Oh, it's the relationships." Yeah. And you don't build those if you are showing up as like a figment of your own imagination or a character. Yeah. That only happens when you are there and you are real. And I'll be honest, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And it's scarier doing that than than doing the tactical stuff. But you face those fears every single day. And then you start to get really freaking courageous in the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, and you shared something recently. I want to maybe take an off-ramp uh, to, to another topic because it's something yeah. I've been thinking about for several weeks now where I I really beat myself up. Like I'm I'm my own worst critic in my head. And I'm working hard on that though to really have the awareness around it. But you said something where you, you called, you want to be your own personal hype woman and, and like actually like love yourself and say those nice things. And it got me thinking, I was like, man, that's something I really want to bring up with you of like, how, have you always talking kindly to yourself? And if you haven't, how have you learned to talk God, kindly to yourself? I used to be the meanest freaking person to myself. Like genuinely, my default was really self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. And to the point where I always thought that like, oh, you know, people would laugh. And then people who knew me well, I mean, I, there are multiple people that eventually would be like, kind of call me out of like, Hey, it's like really concerning. Like I used to be so incredibly awful to myself. Um, and it's been a long road to figure out kind of how not to be. And it, it takes time. Um, but there's a few things. One, this is a very helpful one. Um, I named my inner critic. Don't tell my mother. It's my mother's name. Um, cause guess what? That's where I learned it. Um, and that really helped separate like the true me and that part of me. And it made it much easier when like, I don't know, I'm thinking something really awful to myself and I'd be like, all right, Cody, I don't want to listen to your shit right now. Like that we don't have time for this. You're like, go, 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 go tell someone who cares, you know, and it made it easier for me to kind of like make a joke out of it with myself. Um, but I think the big thing is I just, I started to get more in a habit of catching myself when I was doing it and, and forcing myself to talk to me the way I would talk to like a child that I love. And PS, 
not to get too kind of, I don't know, psychological with you, but it really is. It's a, it's an, it's an inner child thing and it's a childhood kind of wound that we were sort of taught to, I don't know, that we're not, that we're not good enough just as we are and that we have to always be striving and and proving ourselves. And so, you know, there's, there's some silly things and I promise you'll feel so dumb and embarrassed when you do it, but you'll also, also feel embarrassed that it totally works. I've like legit talk to yourself in the mirror and, and give yourself like the, the most epic level, like pep talk and talk to yourself the way you would talk to like a little kid of like, like cheer yourself on. Um, there's also an exercise that, that I've done that I think can be really helpful of like, if you think back to, and there, there are people who can take you through this process and it helps not doing it totally on your own. But if you think about sort of the emotion that, that kind of plagues you for me, it was sort of anxiety. And I worked with someone who they do this thing where they, they help you go back in your memory and try to remember the very first moment that you felt that feeling. And then imagine that you today kind of goes back and can have a conversation with that, 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 you know, version of you, that, that kid of you. And what would you tell three, four, five-year-old you in that moment when you're feeling that feeling? And if you can write those things down and then every time you feel that feeling, stop yourself and and give yourself that pep talk. And like, I know it sounds weird and kind of lame. It totally works. Yeah. It totally works. Um, it won't happen overnight, but genuinely, I mean, it was probably three, two and a half, three years ago that I was still so incredibly mean to myself. And now like, I'm, I am my own biggest cheerleader and, um, it has transformed my relationships. It's transformed how I show up online and it's transformed the like energy that I bring to my life. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's incredible. Just even like I said, I've been just toying with it more recently and it's, it's kind of cool. It is kind of weird. Like actually I was I don't mind sharing this, like walking down my hall here, coming to the podcast interview. And I, and I said to myself, I'm like, love you, dude. Proud of you, what you've been doing. Oh, and, God, I love that. And it was weird saying it, but like, it was something where I've had, I have to, like I said, start kind of coaching, cheerleading yeah. on myself because I do get so beat up about, oh, I, I didn't do this interview well, or I should have done that better or I've whatever. And I'm like, why dude, you know, it's like. And what are you comparing yourself to? So there's, um, I'm. I don't know if you've ever read any of the books by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. Benjamin Hardy, he's like a huge, like he 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 blew up on Medium, and then he wrote um, "Your Personality Isn't Permanent." I think is was his first book. And Dan Sullivan is the founder and CEO of Strategic Coach. It's like one of the okay. biggest like entrepreneur coaching programs. And so they are writing all these books together. And there's a a great one called "The Gap and the Gain," and in it they talk about oftentimes, especially when we're really driven, we're always looking like at the horizon and we're like, I'm going, I'm, I'm going there, but guess what? 
the, you, you keep moving forward, the horizon just keeps moving. Right. Like you're never going to catch it. Right. And so instead of always looking at like, where are you going? You've got to look back and, and recognize where you've come from and what you've managed to do. And so in, instead of focusing on the gap, the gap between where you are and where you want to be, because by the way, the more you achieve, you're just going to expand what you want. Look at what you've done. And I don't think we're good at that of being like, you look back on your trajectory and be like, oh my God, you think about the things that I've achieved and how far I've come. And yeah, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I also made a lot of friends, a lot of amazing memories. I've achieved things that I never thought were possible. And I think we can do a way better job of celebrating like what we've done. And also, because here's the other thing. If you are a giver, it's hard to do this for ourselves. So also think the people around us, when they see us constantly focusing on our lack and what we are not and where we are failing, what does that, what do they do for themselves then? Do you think that like, and I don't have kids, but I'm sure if you, if your kid and let's, let's be real. I was talking about my mom. I learned to be really critical and hard on myself because that's how my mom is with herself. Like that's the model. And if she had modeled for me, her really freaking loving herself and embracing what an amazing freaking woman she was and still striving for more, like how that could have changed my worldview and how I looked at like how I was going to navigate the world. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I think about this, I have an 11 year old and I think about how I talk to him, like trying to uplift him as much as possible, tell him I'm proud of him. Because I understand, and it, and a part it's a psych. Well, one I am, but like partly it's a psychology game. It's it's the more I tell him he did a great job, he's going to want to do he that. Wants more. to do a great right. job, yeah. And if I keep you know beating him up over it, like hey, you're not good enough, because that's how I was as a kid. I'm not saying my parents didn't say I was good enough, but it was I didn't get the attention I thought I deserved. I felt kind of small, you know, unheard, an unseen type of thing. So going back to kind of maybe what you experience as a child, I'm not yeah. sure, but like, I didn't want that experience for him, you know? Exactly. So. Exactly. And, and let's be real. Like, you know, our parents did a bang up job given the toolkit they were given from their parents. So right. there's no, there's, there's only love and compassion for right. them. But, it, but I think we can realize that, you know, our words and not just our words, but sort of our energy has power and the people around us soak it up. And if you are always cruel to yourself, P.S. It's going to be way easier for other people to be cruel to you. And that is a big part of my story, but it also encourages, it, it makes it hard for other people to love themselves um, in your inner circle, in your orbit and, and not just kids, but you know, your partner, your friends, yeah. people you work with. Yeah. yeah that's a great point. Uh, God, we can, we can talk all day about this stuff. I, I want to kind of be sensitive to time and finish up on one thing. Cause you mentioned yeah. Erica earlier. And I actually would, I, I would love to get your thoughts on this because we've yeah. talked about a few times around building connections online yeah. and finding like a new group of people. And if I recall and fact check me in this, you started this business with her, but you never met her in person, right? I literally, we started this business together. We are, we decided to start the business. I think we just looked it up yesterday on um, October 10th, 2022. Okay. Um, I met her in person for the first time, like a month ago. Yeah. And it was only because 
we really needed pictures taken together for stuff that we were promoting. P.S. The pictures were terrible, but that's a whole other thing. Um, and that's what's incredible. I through all the kind of being active on on social media. I have made incredibly close friends. One of my dearest friends. Okay, so he's out by you, not North Carolina, South Carolina. Like legit, if Walker and I lived anywhere close to each other, he would be on my top three people that I would call to bail me out of jail if I got arrested. But I've literally never met him in person. Okay. And it's crazy. Like he is one of my closest, dearest friends. I love this man. Like he is a mentor. He calls me a mentor. Like we are so close. Never met him in person. Wow. And that's really cool and kind of nerdy. I get it. But it's really amazing to build these incredible relationships with people um, simply because you connect and you have things in common and you support each other. Being in person, eventually it'll happen. It'll be amazing. But it doesn't have to, which is cool. How did you and Erica initially meet? Who, who like reached so out to you? We got connected through kind of a mutual friend who I also have never met in person. Um, and we had kind of connected, but we hadn't really hit it off. And then we both got really annoyed at the same thing on Twitter. And so we wound up in the DMs being like, this is so annoying. We should have a call where we where we bitch about this. And we got on the call and and we were just kind of shooting the shit. And and um she um she was like, oh, you know, Maven, the the cohort learning platform, she was like, Maven wants me to do a course on personal branding. And I keep trying to get started and I'm just not making any progress. And I was like, that's interesting. They've reached out to me about the exact same thing. And I'm also not making any progress. And we we're like, should we do it together? We're like, okay. And I think three days later, we had a landing page up and we started selling it and we did our first cohort like five weeks later. Wow. And now we have like a whole business and we're super close friends and it's been kind of a wild ride. But this is the other thing that I will say, like the way you build those relationships via social media is you get off of social media. <laughs> Like, yes, you, you still foster that relationship because you engage with their content and, and all the rest, but it's about getting on a call and just, just connecting like people. Well, you mentioned Maven. I've actually, I just heard of that the other day for the first time. Yeah. Like, is that a cool, you like that platform? I do. It's, it's, um, and, and we owe them a lot because we wouldn't have wound up doing this if it weren't for Maven. And I think what they're doing is cool because one of the co-founders is, um, and I'm totally going to. I'm blanking on his name, but he um, was one of the co-founders of Coursera. Oh, okay. And he basically realized that like digital courses um, have a terrible completion rate. So people buy them and then don't take them or they'll, t they'll go through the first two lessons and they don't finish. So Maven is all cohort based learning. Hmm. And I think the team behind it is incredibly impressive um, really heartfelt, really smart, um, just really wonderful people. And I think they've done a phenomenal job of helping people create um, really wonderful courses on the platform and they make it super easy to start. Um, and so I really do recommend, like, if there's a thing you want to learn, go look on, go look on Maven. They now have so many amazing courses on the platform. I guarantee you'll find something that, to, that teaches you. And because it's all cohort-based. It's a phenomenal way to start to build those connections of people who are learning the same thing, interested in the same thing. 
And it's a really, really cool way to kind of build your community um, while, and then if you create courses there, you know, you build that community while also making money, which is, which is kind of magical, I think. So is the Power Your Platform cohort, is that on Maven? It's not going to be on okay. Maven. We've moved off of Maven. Okay. They take a they take a they take a 10% cut. Okay. And they don't do as much as you would hope to to drive traffic to your course. Okay. Um, but I think if you are kind of just getting started, they make it so easy. Mm. Like so easy. All of the tech is like built into it. It makes it really simple to do it. It's kind of like what I would say, like Gumroad, yeah. but for cohort-based learning, we're like, yeah, okay, they take a bit of a cut, but it's so easy to get started and it's so easy to do it that if you are new to it, start there. It will 100% be worth it because figuring out all the tech and all the other stuff when you're just getting started is like so hard and kind of intimidating yeah. and expensive. Yeah. You're right about that. So what, what yeah. can people expect to power your platform? Is that your, the cohort right now that's going on or do you have other so stuff? It hasn't started yet. We're going to launch at the end of um, this month okay. and the cohort will all go, we'll go through November and the first week of December, we'll take the week off for, for Thanksgiving. Um, and it really is, it's actually going to be um, called Platform Launchpad. Okay. And it's really, really focused on not just, you know, how do you build kind of an effective personal platform, but how do you do it truly authentically and real emphasis on something that actually makes you money. And a lot of, most of the content out there teaching people to do this are taught by creators. So people that are selling digital courses and what we've seen over and over and over again is I will talk to an entrepreneur who's following like a Justin Welsh model or Kieran Drew or someone like that, but they're trying to sell complex consulting services to high level executives, but using the model of someone who is selling low ticket digital products. Yeah. P.S. It doesn't freaking work. So our emphasis is really how do you do it in a way that it works for you and for your business um, and where you're not doing a bunch of things that just like aren't aren't necessary. Like if you're selling consulting services and that's really what you do, you don't need a newsletter. Yeah. You might want one, but you don't need one. And so it's really, you know, our, our, our hope is to help guide like legit entrepreneurs on how they grow their businesses um, online. That's awesome. What, is there anything else on your mind? Anything you've been thinking about you want to share with the audience? No, to, dude, we... this is like such an awesome conversation. I think the big thing is like, I'm obsessed with the fact that I'm, I'm just obsessed with storytelling right now. And when we really think about how we connect, it's through stories. It's listening to other people's stories. It's asking them really good questions so that they'll share them with us. And it's sharing our own. And so I don't know. I, I think that's the big thing. Like if you're, if you're thinking about the next phase of your life, whatever it is, figure out like, are there stories of other people that can help you figure out that path? Maybe it's of ideal customers. Maybe it's of people who have already done it. And when you're ready, like having the, having the guts to share your own, because really incredible things can come from that. That's awesome. Casey, this was a lot of fun. 
this was a lot you, of fun. I, like I seriously could, we, I, I, this could be like a three hour, we could d- go full on Joe Rogan, yes. like three hours, just like conversation. And I would have the time of my life. Yeah, we could, we, we, there are so many angles we can take off, <laughs> off of this. So maybe we can, we'd do another one, but uh, no, I certainly appreciate this. And you're on obviously Twitter, uh, at, at a better Jones. Is that how, is that the, a better the, Jones, a better Jones. Yeah. And then obviously LinkedIn, your name yep. and, uh, anywhere else you're playing around online? I'm also on Instagram, but I'm not super active there. I'm on TikTok. I used to be super active. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a pretty big following there, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I took a pause, but I will get back on there. So, but like, you know, if someone wants to connect LinkedIn and and Twitter is, is the, is the easiest way to get me. Awesome. Casey, thank you again for joining. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Brian. This was so much fun. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.